Hi guys, this is Ali. And this is Alia, and you're listening to the IVAT Talk. So recently, a lot of people have reached out to us uh, uh, with uh, some of the challenges they face uh, uh, with their children in terms of uh, uh, language delays that have taken place. So we thought, you know, why not just uh, make uh, an ad talk about uh, language uh, development and uh, the various concerns around it. And um, very often, I think we focus on uh, the speech and articulation part of language, which is. Uh, which has to do with the phonological development of language and um, not so often on the meaning making in language which is often a cause of concern. So today's talk is going to be all about semantic development which is uh, the development of meaning in language. Yes, uh, so let's start. Uh, uh, my question to you Alia is uh, can babies understand us and, um, and when we are sort of uh, talking to them, uh, can they communicate back to us? Uh, that's a very um, uh, interesting question, Ali. And also, it's very, um, it, it has been researched a lot. So um, there is evidence to suggest that children are listening to their mother from the womb. They can hear her voice. And when they come out and, and you know, out into the world, they actually have a preference for her voice. So that was measured by seeing that whenever the babies were upset and they heard their mother's voice they calmed down and their heartbeat slowed down and so so, so there is definitely they're definitely understanding and um, there is also uh, been a lot of research on uh, what is called um, motherese or parentese which is the infant directed speech that mothers use with their babies uh, it has a higher intonation, the words are said in a more slower way, it usually uses uh, uh, vowel sounds that the child would be able to pick up uh, easier. So like the, the baby sounds that we make when we're talking like, oh, mira baby and all that kind of yeah. things. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, so those are like, what would you call it? Um, the this is, this is called, the yeah, this is motheries or parenties, whatever you want to and call you, it. And uh, what's the role of these? So the role is basically the parents use uh, these um, uh, sounds to uh, communicate with the child. They bring their face closer to the baby because, you know, babies cannot see very well. So they bring their faces closer to the babies and they make eye contact and they start to um, mouth these um, utterances which are uh, very vowel oriented. So they're like, oh, how cute. So there's a lot of focus on the vowels. Mm. So, so uh, children are able to either they, they try to imitate that you will see the baby's uh, mouth moving in response to the mother's so you, you recommend that parents or mothers or caretakers should do something on those lines yes yes so there has been research to suggest that parentese is something that is uh, that is good for, for babies and, and it's a good way of communicating with them yeah. Um, and they prefer looking at the mother's faces or other faces so it's also something that they feel comfortable with it's funny because I always thought babies are like little eating, sleeping and pooping machine. And now there's so much happening behind the scenes. That's, that's so I know, it's, it's very intriguing. There was, in fact, there was this research. Uh, it was uh, a long time ago, which was called the still face experiment in which um, this uh, doctor, I think it was Dr. Edward Tronick, he called um, these mothers with uh, the little, little babies into his lab and he would ask them to play with them the normal way they would play with them. And then suddenly at a queue, he would ask them to become completely unresponsible and goes like that was the still face part of the experiment. And what was seen was that first the children would 
like not know how to respond they would be confused then they would become distressed and they would try and reconnect with their mother try to re-establish the interaction so and there it, is like they're trying to sort of uh, want the same uh, sort of energy or same sort of expressions yes and and if even that didn't happen if the mother continued her still face then uh, they would become withdrawn which was also very you know uh, disturbing but but it did show that uh, that experiment was really quite a, an important one because it showed that babies are primed to communicate socially mm-hmm. Makes sense. Uh, so once this is done, uh, then comes the words, right? And then so, uh, what's the process of uh, of this development of uh, sort of understanding of words? Well, um, this is a recurring question. Honestly, a lot of parents say that you know my child isn't talking yet. They're eighteen months old. They haven't said the first word. But my neighbor's child is talking, or my cousin's child uh, is talking yeah, in there's full a lot of sentences. Comparison that this, happened yeah. at this age. Uh, it d- does happen and there's always the boy girl difference as well yes. um but um yeah the, it's it's where boys um, are s- slow to talk well um i i think yeah i it happens that girls are quicker to pick up on a lot of the things but it really honestly it is also a function of how much language input is directed towards the the child i've mm-hmm. seen little boys who are super but i was uh, reading somewhere verbal. where uh, where um, sort of uh, boys tend to uh, uh, sort of uh, speak later in general in general or from the data uh, in general yes but um, but yeah i have seen exceptions to this rule got it yeah so is there a time for uh parents to start worrying i mean uh, at what age do you think they should sort of have a valid concern about speech or language delays well um every child is different but there is a basic rule of thumb that by 18 months maybe a child should start speaking 10 to 20 words which can by 24 months become 50 words with some word combinations but then again every child is different and they reach their goals at different times but this rule of thumb basically says that if you are somewhere if if at this point a child let's say you are 18 months and your child is not even saying a single word then you may want to reach out to your pediatrician and ask why not mhm so um another thing i usually ask parents to do is to notice if their child's uh, language development is following a typical path or an atypical path so for example um if your child is starting out with uh, you know one word um labeling etc they are using gestures to point etc and if they're um by maybe two years making some kind of word combinations mummy come daddy go so they're on they're on the track they may be delayed but they're on the track um atypical is when a child may lose words they once had Okay. or if their tone is very mechanical or if they have equilalia where they're just repeating sentences that is picked up from let's say a television cartoon um, or something of that sort so in that case they may want to uh, again reach out to somebody so that so when when the language acquisition is not uh, natural yeah. that will be a challenge so how does from here do does, does a child sort of start learning a word um it's it's actually very organized and um children uh, learn words by looking at their reference so reference meaning so yeah a reference is basically the thing that is being referred to for example a four-legged furry reference running around the house and barking is a dog 
hmm. and uh, the child will map the word dog onto that animal um now now the way it happens is that every language assigns words to their reference in a very arbitrary kind of a way so so the reason that a dog is called a dog and not a cat is very arbitrary somebody somewhere decided that they wanted to call this animal a dog but children who have a hard time understanding abstract concepts or arbitrary concepts they don't uh, find it easy to link the word dog with the referent they may f- want to call it a woof woof or a bow wow because that's the sound that the dog makes so they they somehow have a very um uh, sort of uh, not arbitrary but more non arbitrary way of uh, looking at things they do so like a, f- a feature of a dog like barking would be associated with its name yes so in a way they're like inventing words right they are yes. they invent words so like they may call the train a choo choo or Makes something sense. of that sort um but but uh, this is something that kind of resolves over time okay and and they become uh, better at learning the word so uh does that have any implication of of how we teach them words or how we teach vocabulary for that matter yeah so for that let me tell you how children form mental images of words in their heads basically the way that uh we all learn uh language and the first words and how they are developed in the head is in the brain sorry is basically they um you look at a referent uh and you map the word uh onto that referent and initially you may only associate that word with that referent so for example continuing with the example of a dog let's say if a child has a labrador in the house and they know that it's a dog they may only associate a dog with the picture or mental image of a labrador however over time they will also understand that let's say the neighbor's chihuahua is also a dog mm-hmm. because then maybe somebody points it out and say oh did you see that dog it's a chihuahua and and gradually what happens is they start mapping uh, certain features and associating certain features with dogs so the category of dog will become richer and richer exactly and more complicated and more complex it will organize it will reorganize they will try and put in certain features and prototypes in their um, uh, mind about what uh, you know what a dog should look like and and the funny thing is dog is one sort of word it might be happening uh, with multiple words uh, uh, at the same time right yes exactly so so you were asking about an implication and the implication for this is basically vocabulary sh- should um, usually in fact i re- uh, recommend should always be taught in meaning related ways uh, that help children build semantic networks for example if you are teaching a child about dinosaurs you give them the overarching field of dinosaur and then you give them the different dinosaurs within that field like spinosaurus or brachiosaurus or or whatever um and similarly for the younger children what you can do is if you are playing with a car a train and a truck so it helps if you say okay look this is a car this is a train and this is a truck and all these are vehicles so you're kind of giving giving them the overarching field as well as within that field what really is the link between all those terms no wonder you know like these early curriculums have this theme approach right like i Thematic remember approaches, our, yeah. our, our our children would have like a vehicle theme or pets and so yeah so they so. have like transport or all about me because in all about me they're learning all the vocabulary that is related to the you know parts of the body etc and in transport they're learning all the different kinds of vehicles etc so so that's kind of something that curriculums use as well and so is there any um uh number of times or is there any formula to to how many times you have to say a word to a child to 
make that word be part of the semantic network as you call it yeah so a semantic network is basically this entire thing that we're talking about where children are forming these uh, or organizing and reorganizing vocabulary according to the semantic relationships between words and um there isn't a specific number of exposures that you need for a child to learn a word in fact sometimes children learn words really quickly sometimes you may need multiple exposures for a word that is not used too often for them to understand it but um but there are certain things that help for example um if you repeat the same word in different contexts that helps okay or if the like can you give some examples here, like uh, like like if a teacher new word yeah so for, let's talk about book reading yeah. you're reading a book with a baby or a toddler right yeah. and then they come and they ask you can you read this again and you find that you know you're reading the book again and then a third time or a fourth time you should read it as many times as the child wants to because basically what's happening at that point is the child is becoming familiar with the vocabulary in the book so initially in the first read the child may only be uh maybe even overwhelmed or stimulated by the different the images in the book by the context of the book but slowly with time they start focusing on the words in the book makes sense so the first time when you read a book it's all about uh learning um new words and probably they are getting used to the context so there are a lot of what you call uh stimuli right yeah and and once you get um sort of settled with all that background sort of uh, context and all that then you start focusing on words and that's how the words will become part of your vocabulary because now so multiple reading of the multiple book is, reading is, is and this important. is actually called contextual repetition the okay. more you repeat in the same context the quicker they'll pick up the vocabulary it's funny cuz you know like um uh, for older children also like sometimes what is seen is this that when they are uh, given a comprehension where they know the context really well they end up doing better in those comprehension and that's true for even like for for i mean when you're giving your essays or GRE and all that those comprehension reading comprehension that come uh when 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 children or when even adults know the context they end up doing better in those reading comprehension I know because I remember when I was giving my GRE I was asked to read it three times before I answered the questions and I uh-huh. think those reading it three times the purpose was for me to absorb the context and then start focusing on the finer details yes um okay so so coming back basically there's another thing that helps is that if the referent is in the baby's line of vision if it's visually dominant we would call it okay so if for example a ball is far away and i'm pointing at it and i'm saying ball versus if the child is holding the ball in their hand playing with it at that point in time and they're visually it's dominant and their eyes are directed towards it so it's very likely they're going to pick it up quicker so this becomes an opportunity for you to quickly make a lot of learning through the ball to happen exactly so if you know you see a child is di- attention so what, is directed so what you're recommending something. basically is to make sure that things are visibly uh, dominant for a parent to first start using that word yeah or thing makes sense and then finally then there's uh, the the third thing is that for example if a word is taught directly versus if it is incidentally learned so um let's say you know you and i are talking about the moon in front of our baby and we're pointing to the moon we're talking about it so yes she will eventually pick it up but the greater chances if you explicitly point towards it and you say that you know hey this is the moon so um uh explicit explicit teaching of vocabulary is always better although children do pick up vocabulary by being around adults and listening to, uh, listening in on them 
Yeah, I mean, so the other day we did, we did an experiment, right? I mean, uh, in fact, you were doing an experiment, so where you showed Nadine many different color cards. For example, there was red. By the way, for those who don't know, Nadine is our two-year-old. Yes, sorry, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah, we <laughs> refer to Nadine as if everyone knows who Nadine yeah. is. Nadine is our two-year-old daughter who is uh, learning to sort of do all these things that we're just talking about. So the other day, um, uh, I think you showed her four cards right one was red one was blue one was yellow and these three colors i know that she knows really well and then there was the fourth card which was a maroon card so what happened there uh, what was the experiment so basically uh we showed uh, we we did this experiment twice we did it with cards and we did it with crayons um but basically we put a couple of colors that nadine already knew like red blue and yellow with a color that she didn't know like maroon and what happened was that we said okay uh, can you please give me the maroon card and and she was able to uh, through a process of elimination or something she was able to figure out that you know the one that she doesn't know is most likely the one that mom is talking about and so she picked that out and she got it to me then i tried the same thing with crayons also and 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 it worked and this is basically this may have been a very good example of fast mapping in 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 fast mapping basically a child may have uh, minimal exposure or information about a word but they still pick it up by contrasting it what they all with or what they already know so this is an example of uh, implicit or uh, it's just fast mapping i think it's just fast mapping okay. yeah implicit would be uh, where they just pick the words from the environment from the environment you're talking about something and then you know they pick it up sometimes you know it's really funny parents say that oh my god i said a, a you know a bad word in front of my child uh, and they picked it up yes that kind of example yes, that <laughs> yeah. happens to all of us so are there any kind of uh, words that the children pick up faster like than other words mm, is there well, any well i i do know that, that well i do know that um uh, that the early you know let's say the first 50 words or so of a child includes all grammatical categories there are there are verbs there are nouns there are adjectives but uh, there is a certain um a preference for nouns which is actually called noun bias um and about 40% of the first words that children learn are nouns but that could also be a function of parents only pointing out Focusing nouns Focusing more on nouns Yeah because we are more likely we are more uh you know prone to pointing out at, at things that we can see concrete objects and saying hey look that's a table that's a chair So, so we we don't know much about whether the nouns are basically picked because we focus a lot on it or basically Yeah or kids like to learn more about nouns yeah but it's a it, there is a, a noun bias in in um, word learning which is actually uh, uh, established in different languages okay and apart from that uh, children usually pick up a lot of familiar words for example words like blanky and ouchy are picked up more before like words like vase or or painting um they, and they include uh, different categories as well for example bye bye and peekaboo are very social words that they you know they are exposed to and uh, all gone is another word that is you know more uh, to do with food or something of that sort so just just to come back to something which you said ke, uh, like children will pick up more of that things which are uh, sort of said more or uttered more yeah. does that mean it's a it's a function of uh, the input and output like for example um, more 
of uh, high quality input will, will result to high quality output yeah i think this this is a nice way of putting it. it's kind of like a you know like a processor the more the the more the input the, the more the, the output yeah, yeah exactly so um basically adults have a very important role in uh, a child's word learning so um i would say the number of adults would also count but also the quality of the input the amount of the input all these things matter so if you are you are a, you know you're one person living with a baby then you would have to provide a lot more input to be able to get the same um result as a child living with let's say five adults in a household and so that's why probably um larger the number of sort of um uh exposure to people or children the better will be your language development exactly i mean we can see it ourselves with our own children yes with the uh, first our, child versus the second yeah, child yeah yes. our first child was born in a household with uh, three adults um four adults in fact and um a second child was born and directly brought into a, a schooling environment where there were teachers and there we were starting ivy at yeah. that point in time and she was she was just hardly few months she was old. months old and she would just get all that kind of input from everybody so larger the number of people that one get exposed to larger will be the amount of language or number of words exactly that and then it's also the quality of the input so Makes sense. so when i say and quality so good was was good for nadine cuz she was going to a school environment which is yeah. uh, language rich so so there were students coming with. up to her and yes. talking to her and there were adults talking to her etc yes so a couple of things that i would want to say here are we may not realize it but the structures and sounds of language are being mapped into a baby's brain uh, when we we don't even know at that point we we can't even imagine but it's happening and then as gradually your baby grows older there are a couple of things that really help if you keep these in mind for example gaze behavior gaze behavior is that if you are looking at something is your baby and you point it out is your baby also looking at it and if they are I think it's a great time to um you know provide information about that like if if you your baby's looking at a chair and you're also looking at a chair and you point to the chair and you say hey that's a chair so it's very likely that they will pick up the word quicker so like joint attention that's joint attention exactly yeah. and then um it, it also helps if you look at what your uh, baby is interested in if if you are pointing towards something but your baby is not that interested in it try and look at what your baby is more interested towards okay right and make that as an opportunity for them to learn right and similarly gestures help a lot in mapping mapping reference so this is actually called ostension but using pointing is one of uh, the very important features of word learning that's a very big part of how children communicate if they want something they'll point to it if they want to know what it is they'll point to it so it really helps um then uh, thirdly another thing is informative labels so parents who provide a lot of informative labels around what they are talking about uh, their children have higher vocabularies later on for example if we um say that uh, we're reading a book and uh, we're talking about bats and then i say you know what bats live in caves or bats have wings so that kind of information really helps uh, the child to kind of build their schema around a topic Okay so when when you're reading a book um uh, and let's say you encounter a bat you can take that as an opportunity to talk about the bats 
exactly and that becomes like a way of uh, uh, sort of uh, making the vocabulary rich around a topic yes it does and you know book reading has to be dialogic so it's very important that when we are reading to children we don't just do a one sided read aloud but we also talk to them about what we are reading that's the best part of like one on one reading that you can do okay um also so, so um, just to just to uh, reiterate what we saying is just that uh make that book reading as um a dialogue yes. you need to ask questions you need to l- listen to their sort of answers and then maybe respond to them so that that book reading can become like an opportunity to build vocabulary yes and then uh there is something that is also important is a lot of times um uh, parents who talk about inner states like i'm bored i'm happy i'm sad their children tend to uh, be more empathetic so uh, emotions than, right yeah so we uh, we may think that you know small children may not understand if we say we are frustrated or we are bored but children do pick up on feelings and contexts so it's good to talk about these feelings and context uh, emotions uh, yes, early yes it is i think it's good to talk about it as early on as possible because children tend to pick up on feelings and by getting a name to those feelings really helps them start you know voicing their feelings as well feelings. yeah and that's great yeah so yeah all these are are ways infants toddlers and young learners can uh, pick up uh, meanings of words in language um there's a lot that uh, we could discuss for example uh, difficulties in word learning um and maybe later language or semantic development such as you know sentence structure syntax bilingualism and how that kind of feeds into this entire process but i think uh, it's enough for today i know we'll leave it's that enough for today day. but i think a, a quick recap could be could could be good i mean today we discussed how um how children sort of um, acquire sort of uh, or gain vocabulary and we discuss how uh, from very early uh children have a ro- uh, parents have a role to play the mothers or parents uh, parents are really important and those those sounds that you make actually uh, help in, uh, a baby to learn um language later and then we also talked about how um it's really important for us to start uh, you know like uh, building the vocabulary by by looking at how that language or those words are acquired and they are acquired in a more category form in a more uh sort of uh, semantic form and which which basically means that you need to keep on enriching the the category so like uh ways to make the, that category to become richer is the language rich environment try to read uh to your child when you when you're reading make it uh, more of a dialogue more, more of a discussion uh pointing is good uh, um getting their attention uh on something through games or otherwise and then using it as an opportunity to learn could be a great way to go about it and then also um you know it's important to make sure that how you talk to your child uh, like higher sort of slower speech or focusing on some sort of words and so on and so forth have i missed out anything uh i don't think so i think you've kind of covered it all uh language development is a pretty complex process but um by uh, provi- uh by actually ensuring that we provide high quality input to youngsters we can um build on their um uh, language development for the, for later as well Great. so so we hope this has been um a helpful yes. discussion for you and uh yeah i think that's about it we sign off here um always yours in education ali and alia yeah thank you bye bye